All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Privacy Please. I am your host, Cameron Ivey, and with me as always is Gabe Gums. And today we have an awesome, awesome guest on, uh, Gene Fredrickson, and he is going to introduce himself. Can't wait to uh, to learn more about you, Gene. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank, thank you, Cameron. Um, I'll, I'll just, you know, I'll give you the quick rundown. Yeah. Uh, I've... Uh, I've been in the field of information security for about 35 years. In fact, uh, you know, going way back, um, I had one of the first jobs with information security actually in the title. This was in the, uh, uh, this was, you know, in the early 80s. And, uh, and because they weren't sure if information security was going to be a full-time job, my title was manager of information security and email, right? Just in case. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, because the, the, the big news of that year was the I love you virus, you know, and, uh, you know, you get hit with it. And the computer would spend the next three weeks telling you it loves you. And then, uh, you know, you cleaned up and go. So um, nobody, including me, really thought that, uh, you know, we, we didn't know, you know, part of me thought that this was going to be something that would be solved by technology, like everything else, right? Someone would come in with a, uh, uh, you know, Jim Dandy tool, take care of all these viruses forever. And I'll, I'll I'd have to fall back on my email career. Right. Uh, I was, uh, you know, I, I was pleasantly surprised. So I, I started in uh, a big Midwest insurance company. Um, I went to a big brokerage firm in uh, in Tampa, Florida. Right, so there was, uh, uh, you know, my first exposure to tr- true financial services. That was about the time that Graham Leach Bliley hit, and you know everything else. So that uh, protect the consumer, protect the data those things started to come online and the tools, the threats started to get a little bit more, a little bit more virulent. Right. And uh, because I worked in a big company, I understood then that there was no way that a person, a single person could do this on their own, or there's no way that your own people that work for you could do this. So uh, you, you had to enlist the masses, right. And get, uh, get uh, for all purposes a movement going. After that, uh, I took a job with Tyco, and uh, you know the timing of that. As Kozlowski was headed for jail, I was headed into the company. Uh, there was a, a big focus on control, but at that time it was a you know sixty billion dollar company with uh, you know eighty thousand employees in twenty some countries. So. Um, so I learned a lot during those years about making security happen and getting people to buy into it. That the only way you can get people to buy into it is to make it matter for them. Right. If you can't make it part of their job and, and they understand why, 
simply requiring them to have a 10 character password is just a pain, right? It's, yeah. there, there's no, no need for it. So from there, I went to PSCU, uh, uh, a QSO that uh, takes care of credit unions across the United States. And uh, then I, uh, I'm executive director for um, the National Credit Union ISAO out of Kennedy Space Center. And I do uh, consulting and, uh, you know, I need to keep my, my feet back in it. I do some consulting with PIT. So um, long and storied career, uh, made a lot of good, con- a lot of good contacts, um, written, I'm writing my fourth book now. And uh, oh, well. so, um, and in 19, uh, well, 20, 2019, I was selected by SC Magazine as one of the top three security professionals of the last 30 years. I read that, yeah. The the people who didn't jump out and join consulting ranks, they stayed on the, you know, the managing and, and, uh, you know, doing the battle side for all those years. That's so awesome. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing that. Um, uh, You know, one of the things I want to ask you is what, what's the first thing that comes to mind with all your years of experience, all the changes, everything, the direction things are going now in the term data privacy and data security? What, do you, what are your thoughts between those two things? So, you know, data security for me is, is the, the people, process, and technology things we do to keep the bad guys out to monitor, to restrict those, those kinds of things. Data privacy is actually the act of tracking and understanding what is private data, right? Cause that's, believe me, that's changing every day. Uh, wasn't too long ago that not every state had a data privacy standard. So, uh, you know, we, so part of that is understanding the data privacy ramifications and how it hits your business. What, you know, what impact does it, does it have on your business? Yeah, that, that is quite the long and storied career. I, I, I appreciate that. I, I won't, well, I've, I've done it enough times that uh, I can date myself also back to the I love you virus. And that was, <laughs> that was a very early start of my career. Um, oh. And it was quite, quite uh, interesting, but email hasn't always been, kind of the last line of security, if you would, right? Um, that right. It, is, it is no two ways about it. It's a really good way to get into an organization if you're an attacker. It's also a really great way for information to leave your organization if you are, if you are uh, <laughs> an uncareful user, right? Um, which brings me really to the, the human factor in all of this. And so what's your general thoughts in the human factor of security and in privacy? It took us a while, and we continue to struggle with this, with training individuals to understand data security and how they should be handling data from that perspective. Do you think that data privacy will translate a little bit more naturally to those folks since I I feel like everyone can relate to data privacy, even if you're not in the data privacy world, where it's a little bit more difficult for the layman, if you would, sometimes to relate to data security? Sure. Well, I, you know, I think that the part of it is, or a big part of it is that everybody knows someone now 
who was affected by one of the breaches. I mean, I was a Home Depot uh, lottery person, and you know, my my data went out the door with with that one as well as as, as well as Equifax. And so, I number one, there's the people that either know someone or were personally affected. That brings it, you know, that that brings it home. The uh, you know, the other thing is getting ingrained. Companies should make sure that their their employees understand how data privacy is ingrained in their customer expectations. So if I can really date myself back to my first, uh, oh God, data processing classes, you know, um, they, uh, we, we were told three things, right? If you want to be successful, you have to have the right data at the right place and, and time in the right format, right? So it had to be in my first job. It just meant the, the batch programs had to run by 6 a.m. so they could go to the printer so we could burst the forms and drop reports on everyone's desk. That hasn't changed. That, you know, that, that was an internal measure of success. All you had to deal with was, you know, your boss who didn't get his green bar report. Now that that end user has moved from your boss to the, to the end user or to the member in the case of a bank, you've got a person who's, you know, with the baby at home who slogged through a driving rain to get to the corner gas station to buy a pack of diapers, you know, to, to get home and make things worse. And so you've got, he needs correct information. That card needs to be valid, right? He needs the right information. It has to be available at two in the morning and it has to be in the right format. You want to lose a customer, have that guy have his card declined, right? He's going to walk out of there. He's going to start looking for, for someone new. So that's where, that's where it comes. And, and that's where it gets personal. Training is the answer, but the training has to be personal. It has, I, you know, I talk to a lot of groups and I try never to talk technology when I'm discussing risk and those kinds of things. I, I want to talk about, you know, ball tires versus good tires. And, uh, you know, like, you know, my high school car, I was a lot more risk tolerant back then. As long as the tires held there, hell, they were good tires, you know, but now, you know, things, my, my, you know, my tolerance for risk has gone down. You got to paint those pictures and get people to understand and, and feel personal about it. What, what does data privacy mean to your industry? What does it mean to you and your company and your employees? Well, it's, it, you know, it's all about that. It's, it's, not a, it's not a political term anymore, but that social contract you have with, you know, with the member of that credit union or the member of the community bank or, you know, whatever you're dealing with there is an expectation that people will 
that you'll protect their information. And, and so, you know, the business really has to understand, you know, all those tools we developed to make it easy for people to come and be our customers, everybody else developed those tools. So it's not, it's not a big deal anymore. And people are, are much more mobile than they used to be with, you know, moving from organization to organization, they tend to shop around a lot. So you've got to build the thing I've loved about the uh, credit union space is it's more of a family, um, a family thought process than just a, a pure business relationship, right? There's, there's some commonality in there, but the privacy actually is, um, you know, we, number one, we take care of your information where we, stop it from being divulged, and we provide you, the end user of that information, we, we provide updates and, and training to you. The, uh, a lot of things I've been writing over the past two or three weeks have been around all the new uh, exploits and scams that are out on as a result of COVID, right? As soon as there's some natural event that gets people a little off balance, the bad guys come out of the woodwork, right? So, so yeah. that's uh, getting out in front of that, telling people what they can do, what they can watch. Uh, that's, that's critical. Can we talk about those a little bit? What are some of the uh, more interesting or at least more prevalent scams that you've seen related? Well, to they're, uh, you know, there have been a couple. First of all was the uh, the uh, checks that everyone was supposed to get. There was a lot of, lot every kind of scam around the check scams, the things that are going on. There are uh, charity scams, you know, send, send money to here. Uh, there are scams related to relatives, you know, the uh, fraud, the embezzlement. Those, you know, those, those kinds of things. Um, and, and then there's, you know, all the civil discourse that's, that's gone on. Uh, it's uh, those kinds of things open up the opportunity for, uh, you know, different types of threats uh, to the information. One of the primary controls within a credit union or within any organization was been around a long time. It's called see something, say something, right? So COVID hit, everybody's working from home. That see something, say something is no longer really effective. So you've got to, when, if you lose one end of the fidelity, you've got to turn the other one up. So uh, you would turn up the side where you're monitoring the actual actions. Are people are, you know, are people um, approving questionable credit limits on cards? Are they spiking credit limits? Are they, you know, doing a lot of stuff? If there's a way to try to scam people, it's out there, trust me, you know? And uh, I learned a long time ago to sleep through the night. It's not, it's not because I don't care, I think it's, you know, it's because you put the controls in place to to keep it right to keep it to a manageable level. 
Talk about those controls, because I think something a lot of folks are struggling with right now as well is they're being asked to do a lot more with a lot less, right? The sure. There's also imposed some restrictions from that nature. So how do you go about prioritizing your controls at this point when you're being asked to do more with less? Boy, these are good questions, right? So, um, so that's why he's on. That's why he's here. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, he was so quiet there. I should have known he was your ringer. Uh, so get the dashing video voice. <laughs> so, so look, there are uh, in business as well as anything else, you really try to do most prioritization based on risk, right? And uh, and what I try to to get through to people is that. This is not a uh, risk assessment. Is not a huge scientific project, right? Or process. You need to understand what's the impact if um, Jane uh, ups the credit limit on a questionable card. What's you know? What's the probability that it will happen, and what's the impact? And if you have a simple zero to 10 scale on each side, upper right hand corner is red, lower left hand corner is green, and you plot all those points very simply, right? You're going to be 80% of the way to knowing what you should attack first. If it's red or pink headed down that way, hit those first, right? And, uh, and you're going to find out if you sent those questions out to this to 10 or 20 of your peers, you, you get pretty much the same, uh, you know, within a range, pretty much the same, uh, same answer. So number one, that's, that's uh, an easy one based on risk. Number two, you're going to see regulatory concerns or regulatory impact. Whether or not they change the regs, you're going to have the examiners, particularly for financial institutions, come out and say, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna change the name of your disaster recovery plan to whatever comes next plan, right? Because it has been uh, it has been an amazing 12 to 18 months, right? The the fires in uh, in Northern California where I know a CIO who, who has a data center up there for the first time in his life, it dawned on him. It wasn't just moving to an alternate location. He could have no data center to come back to. What if the fail over data center fail back is gone? Right. And how do your, you know, how do things happen? Um, we had pure devastation in Puerto Rico. I work with a work with a credit union who for over two weeks had no idea if any business or any of their employees survived because they if they said, well, we'll have the Internet. If the Internet doesn't work, we'll have cell phones. If cell phones don't work, we'll have somebody that can fly down there. Tell you what, none of it worked, no matter what they tried to do. There was nothing there. So they've added some steps and, you know, coming, coming after that very quickly. Now, on top of that, you pile the, the pandemic and there's two sides to that, right? The first is immediately having people working from home out from under direct supervision, maybe for the first time in their life. And, uh, 
and so the scams and everything coming, you know, uh, coming out of the woodwork there. The second is supply chain. What if one of your file transfer partners or one of your processing partners is a two-man shop based somewhere, right? And they both get sick. There is no failover. Your process just, you know, it, it just goes away. So, which then pushes you into vendor management and supply chain and all this. It's like this slow moving landslide, right? It's gonna, you, you've, gotta, you've gotta get a very good uh, crystal ball or you deal a lot with, uh, with experience. You know, like the, the commercial says, we know a lot because we've seen a lot, right? right. So, yeah. All right. So we've touched on process and we've touched on people. Right. Let's talk about a little technology. We don't talk, we don't talk a lot of, of, of uh, specifics on the show in terms of technology. I like to keep it just kind of to the, you know, the, the generals, if you would. So sure. when, when you, where do you see technology fitting into everything that you just talked about with regards to the risk process and, and the human factor and training them, et cetera? Where does technology fit into that once you have, once you've addressed the, the people and the process, what does technology now fit into that for you? Okay. So, so again, there's, there's two sides to technology Uh, from the NCUI South side, we see the rate at which new threats come out, new threats and exploit. And it's, you know, it's drinking from a fire hose. It's gotten to a point where no human can set and review logs every day and keep an organization safe. So you need technology and automation to do the high speed end of it, right? Now, before we talked about where it gets into process and people, we talked about email threats, right? So, so there is technology there. There's, you know, technology which uh, looks at emails, it uh, identifies phishing emails, it does those kinds of things, but the good thing that's happening using that technology is those findings, those things that make the meter go red, are used then to train that employee. So if they, uh, if they clicked on a phishing test or a phishing email, that's a feedback loop which goes back to that person and said, look, here's what you did wrong. Here's what you should do better next time. Um, and, uh, and so using it not only to protect the information, but to give, to give that continuous feedback loop, are we getting better? You know, those kinds of things. And by the way, those are the kinds of things that the board is interested in. The board isn't really interested in whether or not, um, you know, you processed uh, 50 million privacy records last month. They're interested in um, what were the real events and how did you fix them, right? How did you train the people? What did you take so it's not going to happen again? Why don't we shift gears a little bit? Uh, I want to talk about, uh, obviously, what everybody's going through right now. Um, with COVID, I want to know for your industry, because um, we haven't had anybody on the show in credit unions, and uh, I'd love to know for the listeners w- what that has brought on to your community um, and your, you know, 
company and how you guys have adapted to it um, around data privacy and just in general, how everything's going. Okay. Well, um, so this, you know, this is my personal observations, right? I'm not going to speak for all credit unions, but as, as I've spent time talking to them, there were a couple of things that uh, we've noticed. So banking in general, right, has always been the kind of organization that says you've got to be here to do your job, right? You have to be in the house. And this also applies to other, you know, segments that are out there. Well, so now they didn't have a choice. So there, a lot of things had to happen very quickly. They had to get bandwidth up to get remote, you know, VPN, VDI, all those kinds of things to allow people to come in. Uh, the other, we talked about supply chain. The other problem they had was finding laptops. Uh, they had people literally standing in line at Best Buy trying to buy every laptop that wasn't nailed down, right? So, and they were no near where near the front of the line. So, it's still so, hard to get stuff at Best Buy right now, by the way. Yeah. Still trying to get a webcam. Yeah. Can't, can't yeah, find it. It's, yes. So, um, well, my gosh, even Amazon has slowed down. Come on, there's, you know, my next day delivery is is gone, you know, which makes it tough for me to remember what I ordered. Yeah, so. Um, yeah. So, uh, but, so, um, but what they did, what they found out is as they got people up and running, they found out that to much of their surprise, they were very competent and able to operate from wherever they were from. And in fact, uh, you know, it's worked so well that uh, there's quite a few credit unions that are saying, you know what, maybe instead of building more brick and mortar, we ought to, you know, we ought to push this and, and make it look and, you know, make it just part of our culture, whether it's you're permanently uh, work from home or every other week or, you know, uh, what, whatever it is. So, um, so, but there, there were other things around that, right? That's uh, at the same time, the work from home and the new laptop showed up. The schools were saying, now there's homeschool. There's, you know, more stuff. So we had to start training those people to say, this is a work computer. So more so than at work, when you get up and you walk away from that computer, it has to be logged out or locked up. You have to be religious about, you know, your passwords, your management, you know, those kinds of things. You need to find an area of the house where, uh, you know, it, it'd be tempting to sit on the couch and watch, you know, watch your favorite shows while you work, but that's, that's not conducive. So um, in general, the, the word is it's, it's worked admirably. The interesting part is now that they're beginning to say some people need to start coming back, there's a lot of people that say, yeah, yeah I, don't, I like this work from home thing. And, uh, you know, what can we do? What, you know, what stresses are we going to bring into their lives as we start to bring them back? What are the other issues? Uh, what about, you know, the, the six foot role? You can't rule, you can't have them you know, 20 people in an elevator and, you know, all those kinds of things. 
Um, also from a technology side, I think we've gotten fairly adept to uh, using uh, video chat and, uh, uh, you know, meeting uh, all the, these remote meetings so much so that a lot of credit unions are now saying, well, you know, we're going to have a rule to say if there's, if there's more than four people in the meeting, have it virtual, allow people to, you know, dial in from their desk. Um, we don't really know all the answers yet. There's going to be a lot of things that are going to crop up. So what we're really looking in that whatever comes next plan is uh, we really need to, uh, we, we need to make sure we built the framework and the infrastructure in that we've, that we're keeping those laptops in place and we're not dismantling it because the next thing on the horizon could be a resurgence. We don't want to do this whole fire drill again. Right. So, right. yeah. So what is the, what does the future look like for your organization? Um, what's the plan? Well, I think, uh, you know, the plan is that um, people, it's not just the employees that have gotten used to working from home. It's, it's, uh, there's, there's a lot of good things happening in that space. But I personally got used to having my groceries delivered. I got used to, uh, you know, all those good things where I pulled up in front, somebody trotted out and threw them in the back of my car. And, <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot of good things. Now that I have that, I don't think I'm willing to give that up. I'm going to be looking for, for whether it's my credit union or my grocery store or my drugstore to keep this new level, you know, this new level of service up. I think the, you know, the one thing that's going to die is that, you know, look it in the eye with the hearty handshake. I think that that's probably, you know, going to go the way of the horse and buggy, but there's a lot of other ways where we can build this trust and uh, use the technology and the process tools we've got to maintain an open, constant line with the credit unions, with the members. Yeah, that's a good answer. I agree. Yeah. Uh, is there anything that we didn't touch on that you want to bring up? Any advice you want to give? Anything that you want to talk about on the show for our listeners? Well, sure. I think, uh, you know, this, this goes way back to something uh, I learned early and obviously you know, Gabe, you've survived in this his career field for a while, and Cameron, you too. Although you look a little young to me, I'm not. You know, can we trust him? Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm kind of forced to, but I like him. So, oh, yeah, okay, all right. So, <laughs> I'll, I'll take um, it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's understanding that your job as a cyber and a risk professional is not to say no. Your job is to say how. Right. And that and that role is going to become much more uh, critical in the future because the rules have changed. Right. The the ways of doing business are going to change. If you want to be a part of the of the change, you want to positively affect the business going forward and take care of your own career. Learn everything you can about the business learn the strategic plan of the business and start to couple 
your security, regulatory, and privacy programs to that. So when you walk into the board the next time, you can say, I want to do this program because we're told that this, that this new regulation is coming down. Or your business process you, says you want greater penetration in the online loan market, right? Here's the kind of things we're going to do. So um, that's, uh, you know, nobody, it, it, a long time ago, we used to have, we affect, I affectionately called them FUD merchants. Yeah. Uncertainty and doubt. Mm-hmm. You probably heard it. That's, Plenty of times. Yep. Those, that's no more. That's gone. Right? Nope. Those guys are dying a painful death right now. And, uh, you know, you, you need to be on board. Yeah. No, that's a great point. Thank you for, for adding that. Sure. So I got some fun questions to wrap us up. Sure. Let's go ahead and shoot one off. What is your dream car? Oh, that's, yeah. Um, that's easy. Cause it's almost, it, it's almost done. Right. Oh. Say, uh, the very first car I had without dating myself too bad, I bought for a hundred dollars. It was a 57 what? Chevy four. We're, we're not talking hot wheels, right? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah so, uh, uh, I finally found one that I liked after five years. I should have it back in my house maybe next month, right? So oh, that's wow. it. Yep. There you go. Wisconsin, Wisconsin, University of Wisconsin Colors. There you go. Go Bucky. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your favorite go-to snack? If it was the end of the world and you had to have one thing, Oh God! You can only eat that one thing. So, uh, what is the equivalent of crack to me? Right? It is. I hate to admit it. It's those little tiny frosted donuts. Oh, uh, donuts you buy from Hostess or whatever, frozen. Right? Yeah. Yeah. In the freezer. Oh yeah. Yeah. You ever you ever tried the? Um, uh, I forget what the brand is, but they're already frozen and they're little. They're. Uh, Apparently they're gluten free, but uh, I don't see it. Um, they're delicious. <laughs> oh, they're really? t- they're delicious, and they're they they have all different kinds of donuts that you can get. Send uh, me send send me when you get it. Okay, I will. They have the they have the powdered me. ones, the chocolate ones. They have Ooh, cinnamon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll share that link with you. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, Make sure you post it in the uh, the note section to this. This uh, <laughs> I will shout out to whoever that company is um, for donuts. Yeah. It's actually National Donut Day, so this is. This Whoa, is totally unscripted. Right. Last question for you here. What's the, what's the weirdest request that you've ever gotten? Okay, this, uh, this goes back to where I, when I um, managed the global cybersecurity effort. And okay. uh, I got a phone call from a lawyer in uh, China who had a lot of business in China. And uh, he said he was going to send me some information via mail because they suspected an employee of visiting porn on on work. Now, they felt they should maybe do something with the guy, but it was against the law to view porn in China, right? So he sent the whole thing to me and he said, Gene, if you would please watch this and 
issue me a report on whether it is quote unquote normal porn or you know and i think it wow this is yeah this is this is uh you know this could be bad <laughs> if you if you had really strange tastes you know yeah. and uh oh i labored over that a long time and i you know i've still got the memo going back somewhere <laughs> i you know so that's you a know, strange maybe one. I'll, maybe I'll write a book on that someday. You know, <laughs> normal versus non-normal yeah, online porn. So. What to respond to, what to not respond to. That's it. Yes. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. That is, you'll know it when you see it. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> but you just have to take my word because he can never see it. Right. Right. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, Gene, thank you so much for coming on. This has been great. Really appreciate yeah. your time and your expertise. Um, and just thank you so much. And I hope, hope okay. we, we can have you back on in the future. Anytime. Um, you just say the word. This is great. <clears throat> awesome. Is there anywhere that uh, you want anyone from the listeners to follow you on uh, social media, anything like that? Do you speak? I know you wrote books. Do you have yeah. anywhere that you kind of share that? Um, well, uh, if they, you know, if they want to go out and just take a look at what's going on from the threat advisory and analysis side, it's uh, ncuisao.org. And, uh, and uh, so, you know, go out and take a look. Certainly, if you want to try to get in touch with me, please go for it. I love, uh, I love expanding the circle uh, that I deal with. I don't, I'm not particularly smart myself, but I hang out with a lot of smart people. Now I've got two more, right? There you go. All right. Oh, I'm smart. All right. Yeah, I'll take it. Yes. I'll take that too. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm done. That's my Friday. I'm done. I'm All done. right. All right. Awesome, Gene. Thanks so much. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Oh, thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to Privacy, Please. This podcast is brought to you by Spirion, protecting what matters most. Join us next week and every week as we delve into the intriguing world of security and privacy. You can email us at privacyplease at spirion.com and hit us up on our Twitter at privacyplspod. If you want to read more into these topics, check out our blogs on spirion.com. Again, I'm Cameron Ivey, an all-around decent guy. Until next time. Thank you.